If I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated. It's good to be here with you all this morning on what is the second Sunday of Lent. Uh, during this season of Lent, we are looking at different individuals in the Old and the New Testament or stories uh, where we see grace experienced, grace given, or the sharing of grace, or receive, people receiving the promise of God's grace by, from others. And so on Ash Wednesday, we began this journey by looking at the life of King David in First and Second Samuel. We specifically spent some time looking at Second Samuel chapter 15. And this is the passage of Scripture where David is confronted by the prophet Nathan for his adultery with Bathsheba and then his attempt to cover it up, even going as far as to have Bathsheba's husband killed in battle by arranging to have him you know, left isolated. We also read Psalm 51, which is a psalm of David where he acknowledges his sin, where he acknowledges what he has done, and in David we are able to see how God's grace was available even as he asked for forgiveness and even as he recognized his sin. Last Sunday we spent some time in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah had a message of hope that he brought to the people of Israel when it would have been very easy for them to be hopeless. 
Assyria had conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. Families found themselves taken from their homeland and settled in other parts of the Assyrian empire. People were wondering if they would ever return. And so Isaiah reminded them that the last word with God is never despair, it's never judgment, but the last word of God is a, God, is a word of grace and it is a word of hope. Which helps us to remember, and God told the people through Isaiah... That God has never done with us, and God's plans are far greater than you and I could ever envision our own plans to be. And so this morning, that transitions into this morning's passage of Scripture, which comes from Luke's Gospel. This is a very well-known parable that comes right in the middle of a series of parables that Jesus told to the crowds that dealt with lost items. And so when we read these parables, we often give a title to them, where we focus on what the lost item was rather than focusing on the action of God or the evidence of God's grace that Jesus is trying to point out by the telling of the parable. For example, you know, the lost sheep, we title it the parable of the lost sheep. What's the real focus? It's the shepherd that's never going to give up and allow one sheep to go while the rest of the flock is here. That God's grace is going to, God is going to seek out and offer to his grace those that are lost. Same thing with the parable of the lost coin. We focus on the coin being lost. What we don't focus on is the persistence of the woman and the celebration when she finds her coin where Jesus is saying, there is celebration in heaven when one person finds me, encounters me, and changes their life because of me. And so this morning's parable is very similar to that. Uh, In his parables that we often call the lost parables, Jesus puts uh, ministry into action where he talks about how God is at work to find those items and to find those people who were lost and who are apart from him. And so for Jesus, this meant that often he found himself outside of the synagogue. He found himself in ministry on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, in the hills around Israel. We find him in ministry among the Samaritans. And we even find him in ministry in the region that is dominated by the Gentiles, which is on the opposite shore of the Sea of Galilee from Israel. The Gospels give us plenty of examples of Jesus meeting sinners and eating with them, of him meeting lepers on the outskirts of town, going into the home of a tax collector to share in a meal. But in all of these stories, we see how Jesus extends God's amazing grace through his action and ministry to those on the outside while inviting them to leave what they are doing, to leave where they are at, and to join him on the inside. And I don't mean on the inside and going in the, in the synagogue, and, but what he's saying is he's inviting them to leave where they're at, to leave what they are doing, and to join him in something greater, which is a reception of the grace that only God can give him. And so we read time and time again in the New Testament and the Gospels where the Pharisees and the scribes say this about Jesus. They say, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. I think it's easy for us to often read the reaction of the religious leaders And find that it's easy for us to be critical of them. As they react to what Jesus is doing, as they react to the grace that he is offering, as they react to the way that he is in ministry to those that are normally not shown grace. And it's easy for them to say, how can he do this? And maybe for us what it is, is for us to realize and to remember that I can only accept God's grace for myself. 
and I can't accept it for anyone else no matter how hard, hard I try. And so Lent is a time for us to think about that. Lent is a season for us to be in an examination of ourselves as we think about how we accept God's grace. Lent is a time for us to recognize that the grace of God that I can receive is the only grace that I can accept for anybody. It's for me, and God has given it for me. Just like you can say, the grace of God is given for you, and God has given it for you. And so when we look to the ministry of Jesus, we can see how his ministry and his ministry of grace was both within the boundaries of the church and also outside the boundaries of the church. Where he went into the streets, where he went to the areas maybe that he wasn't comfortable, where he meant to, went um, and, and ministered to the righteous and also the unrighteous, where he meant and ministered among the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles, and he told parables about God's incredible grace for those who are lost while also offering grace to those who didn't recognize that they were lost. And so our parable today in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, as well as the parables around it, kind of show us a story of this, an example of this, where God's grace is offered to people who recognize it, as well as those who probably self-righteously thought they didn't deserve it, or didn't need it, not that they didn't deserve it, who didn't need it. It doesn't matter whether the sinner was self-right, sinner, a person was a sinner or a self-righteous person, to both the punchline is always the same when Jesus says someone has encountered him, their heart has been changed, their life has been changed, They've turned from what they've been doing and they've accepted the grace that he gives and that's always rejoice with me for that which is lost has been found. And so today's parable is, is one of those stories. It's a story of two young men who are both deeply loved by their father. Each man was lost in his own different way from the other. Each of these young men were found by their father who searched for them. I think it's easy for us to focus on the first only in this story, this younger son who receives a title of prodigal, even as the story is a picture of grace and forgiveness offered to both boys. The younger one is the one who goes to his father to say, Father, give me that share of the property that will belong to me. In, Jewish time, in the time of Jesus, Jewish law dictated that the younger son would have received one-third of his father's estate upon his death and the remaining two-thirds would go to the older brother. And so for the first hearers of this parable, we have to envision the outrage probably that they had as they heard Jesus tell this story of a younger son having the gall to go to his parent even to make the ask before his dad has, has passed. But then the father's actions make this even worse for those who heard this story the first time. Can't you hear them saying he has the gall to act on what his son is requesting? And so the father does whatever he needs to do to gather the assets that are needed to give to his son. He sells whatever animals are required. He does whatever he has to do only to see the boy walk away with his newfound riches in his hand. All right, Jesus says the young man engaged in wild living he doesn't give us any other information, so you can make up in your mind what wild living is. 
It's only the elder son that gives us a more um, definite idea of what he thinks his younger brother did during his time away. You know, siblings, we always have a a really good ability to assume what our our sibling is doing, don't we? Um, And so in any event, this famine strikes the land where the younger son ends up. He finds himself friendless, moneyless, and he is apart from home and apart from his family. What is he going to be do? And the grace shown from his father is gone. He has wasted it away. He is now, you know, working as a day laborer, feeding pigs. And then Jesus said when he came to his senses. I mean, this is a shift in the story if you think about it. In this parable, Jesus is talking about this young son focused on self, focused on what he's doing. His father has acted. And then it says, is he sitting there in the pigsty when he came to his senses? He realized that his father's hired men had food to spare while he was starving. He came to his senses and he heard the quiet call of grace from his homeland. And so he sets out to return home with the hope being that at minimum, or maybe at maximum, that his father would have the grace to hire him on as even a day laborer on his property. You know, the son doesn't say anything about being reaccepted into his father's home in, in Jesus' parable. He doesn't say anything about being welcomed back as a son. He doesn't anticipate anything beyond what he says. And so he sets out returning home, hoping to be just hired day by day and to have food to eat and work to do. And the scripture tells us as he journeys home, he crafts what he will say to his father in advance. I think we've all been there, you know, you get in a little car wreck in high school. You know, you know what you're going to tell your dad way before you see your dad. Or at least that was my experience. (laughs) But, you know, he's he's knowing that, um, or he doesn't know that he's going to be received by anything better than just, just being there. And so he plans to say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hands. It's because he doesn't understand grace. He underestimates his father's grace. He cannot fathom the idea that his father has been looking off into the distance each day, hoping to see his familiar walk coming back home. He does not anticipate that the grace of father, his father is going to meet him on the road to embrace him, already to forgive him. In fact, Jesus doesn't even give the young man opportunity to recite his line, Father, I've done everything wrong. I am no longer worthy to be your son. I am no longer worthy to be included in your family. He doesn't even, I mean, all that preparation is, for, is a moot point because his dad's already forgiven him. Because he couldn't fathom, he couldn't anticipate the joy of his father and the immediate grace that was going to be offered to him. And so his father quickly commands that the fattened calf be slaughtered, a ring to be placed on his son's finger, a robe to be placed over his shoulders. As he says, let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Friends, that's the grace we discover when we receive Jesus. 
It's the same grace that God has already extended to each of us through the sacrifice of His Son. And while it's important for us to recognize and repent of our sins so that we don't commit them again, God knows our sins and our hearts, and He knows what we need to be forgiven even before we can come up with the words to give Him. I mean, that's what the Father did, right? The Son had a whole line ready. He was ready to, um, to lay it all out. What he didn't know is that the father was ready to forgive as soon as he had the opportunity and he was ready to forgive before his son was even on the horizon. And this is the same level of forgiveness that God has for us because God is ready to forgive because of Jesus. God is ready to forgive the second you confess, the second you recognize you've fallen short, in His grace, He is ready to open His table to you, to sit you down, and to share with you not the handoffs or the leftovers, but to share with you the very best. But see, in this story, not all came to the celebration. Because when the older son approached from the fields and heard a party, he asks what's happened. He learns his younger brother has returned. Instead of sharing in joy, the older son does not share in any joy. He remains outside, not willing to share in the grace that has been shown. He's angry. His father has gone too far in his opinion. He has no joy. He has no grace. And he can't comprehend forgiveness. But see, his father meets him on the road too saying, Child, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost, and he has been found. Folks, I don't know where you are today in the reading of this story and what it means for you to think about receiving God's grace. I don't know if the younger son resonates with you or the older son, or maybe there's a little bit in each of them that you're connecting with. But that really isn't the point in this parable. The point is for us to focus on what is found and for us to comprehend a little better the forgiving grace of God that invites us to turn back from where we are at and to return to Him. To recognize that God's grace is God's to give and it's grace that is available to us before we come to our senses and return to Him. But it's also grace for those that have stayed, who haven't yet discovered where God meets them or where they are at. Younger son, older son, God's grace is God's to give. Whether you're on the road or whether you're in the field, you have been found.